AJ Jones. Yes, sir. How are you? Well, thank you. What's your favorite thing about today? About today? What I made for dinner was my favorite thing about today. Do tell. Well, my spaghetti squash didn't turn out very well. It turned out kind of like sand. So I think it must be really old. So I made zucchini noodles instead. And a cashew, creamy cashew sauce with garlic and basil and all things good and shrimp. I had an apple with some cashew butter. Show off. Just living the dream. Mm -hmm. Um, This week, I was looking through our week and basically all we did was be in meetings. But we did do some fun stuff this weekend. We did. What do you want to start with? You can start with what you did. All right. This weekend, our church organized a dad and me camp out. Yes. Where all the dads take their kids away and they all go camping. Mm-hmm. The problem with this is I hate camping. And our children are your children. And they don't really like camping. No. But God bless Marty and Julie Curley, our wonderful children's pastors. They said, Alan, if you would like to skip the camping part, we would make provision for you and you could just come up for the day. With the kids. And I was like, that's very kind of you. But in listening to the girls be super excited about this weekend, I realized once I got the plan that what they were excited about wouldn't happen because all the stuff they're excited about happened outside of the window of time that we were going to be there. Except for the zip lining. Except for the zip lining. But Which when is I, why we just set up a wire with a coat hanger and just let her go at it from, this, from the roof of the house. And it worked surprisingly well the I first mean, time. It was amazing. <laughs> so glad she didn't let go. So we decided to set up a tent in the back garden and me and the two girls would sleep there. But what was the problem? You didn't fit. <laughs> <laughs> the problem was it was a two-man tent, but I'm not sure what two men would fit in that well, place. It barely fit. one man and two little girls would probably work. But it didn't. No. So, well, we didn't really try. What? No. I, no. I couldn't even get in the tent. <laughs> It was my, it was my like portaging tent. Like it was a tiny tent so that you could take it places and it was fit in your backpack. Yeah, it'd fit in my back pocket. Never mind my backpack. <laughs> it's pretty small. So the girls slept in there. Yes. But as a responsible parent, I didn't just want to leave my children out in the back garden overnight. In case the bunnies got them. <laughs> so I slept and I say slept in the loosest of terms in our screened in porch in an upright chair. With the bugs. With <sighs> Yeah, with the bugs. And the sprinklers. And the sprinklers. And all our neighbors' air conditioning units, which come on and off throughout the night. Yes. But they seem to have a great time. And then the next day, we did an extravaganza of daddy-daughter date. Yes, you did. And I made a slight faux pas. A slight faux pas. Well, I took the kids to Five Guys for lunch. Well, first you fed them waffles now for that breakfast. Was, that was a stroke of genius. There was no faux pas there. I understand, but they have tiny tummies. Right, and then I took them to Five Guys, and then I took them to Sweet CC. Mm-hmm. And, in, and be- in between that, they, you took them swimming. <laughs> and they all had chocolate. But it was Abigail's first time ever drinking a Coca-Cola, and she was a chipmunk on speed. Yeah. She wouldn't shut up. I'm not surprised. And she just talked and talked and talked. Yes. And repeated herself. Meanwhile. Back at the ranch. You were at a women's self-defense class. I was. We hosted our second women's self-defense class, and actually... One of our guests today was referred to by the man who hosts the class as a ninja. Did you learn anything new at this women's defense class that you didn't learn last time? Um, it's It was the same class. It, it was a good refresher of things that I had forgotten. Um, I just really like uh, Ken's passion for women not, you know, being 
vulnerable or whatever. Yeah. So he's, he just does an amazing job of teaching the class and also telling you what to look like. So you never have to use the stuff he just taught you. I watch a bunch of the videos of the women kicking the living daylights out of the man and he takes a beating. 20 women. That's why, that's why only 20 can do each class. 20 women get to kick the tar out of him, basically. Yeah. All right. Let's jump into our main topic for this week. Last week on the podcast, we talked about destiny and walking into your destiny, the process of all of that. Yes. And we looked at the life of Joseph Mm -hmm. and talked about like, how do you manage life while dreaming about what, you know, you think you're called to? And it was great. He said. Yeah, we were awesome. We were amazing. Profound even. But then we went to church this morning (laughs) and Pastor Jeff preached an incredible message on exactly the same topic. Yes. But his message was all about the language of promise, and he looked at the life of Joseph. And as he was sharing and teaching, and we'll put a link in the show notes for you because it's such a great message, I was thinking about our dear friends, Josh and Sarah Parsons. Yes, Josh and the ninja Sarah Parsons. uh, Josh and the ninja Sarah, as she's known around her office. Because (laughs) their story just intertwined so brilliantly with everything we were talking about last week on the podcast and what Jeff was speaking about this morning. So we've asked them to come on the show. Welcome, Josh and Sarah Parsons. Yay! Oh, hello. Yay. Wait, can we talk about why I'm a ninja? Did he really say that? He called you a ninja. He was talking so about honored. fierceness. And he said, he. I think he called you Scrappy first, and he said she was a ninja. Scrappy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it not because you're Asian? Pardon? Well, if I am, she's I got didn't know. moxie. <laughs> she's got gumption. And then he compared uh, Michelle vouchers to you when when Michelle was like kicking him and stuff because he was like, "Wow, I didn't expect you to be able to kick that hard." You're like last class's ninja. So, oh, yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna add that to my Twitter profile. I think you should. Ninja. Ninja. Josh and Sarah are the worship and creative arts pastors at Grace Center. And before they were that, we worked very closely together at the School of Supernatural Life, where they were the school pastors. And we've wanted to have you on the show for a long time. Like, every time I sit here, we're like, why don't we ask Josh and Sarah on the show? And we could, I mean, I've got a list of questions running in my head about, like, arts and about, you know, the whole worship experience, because it's just unbelievable. And so we're going to have to have you back on that, because what I wanted to ask you about was if you could cover some of your story about how you ended up in Nashville. Because I know you've only been here, what, five years? Uh, five years in September? Yeah, about Almost four five. and a half years. But a lot has happened in five years. Yes. Yes. And it's a great story, and I'm always encouraged when I hear it, and I am sure our listeners are going to be super encouraged. So riddle me this. How long have you guys been married? Uh, it'll be nine years in August, August 5th. And you guys <sighs> met in school? We met in college. Uh, Sarah saw me from afar and... Uh, was all over you like a rash. Just admired me <laughs> greatly. Who no, could blame her, really? <laughs> I, I asked her out to... Well, I asked her if she would want to go see a movie with me. And we dated for a few months and then she broke up with me. <laughs> oh, oh, dear. It was a riveting experience. And then 13 months later... Uh, after a lot of growth and time with the Lord, we got back together. <laughs> Yay. And we're, now we're married. We're very glad that you did. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. And you've been in Nashville close to five years. Tell us the story of how you came to Nashville, why you came to Nashville. Start there. 
Well, uh, after college, I had gotten hired to play guitar for a band that lived up near Chicago. And uh, over, we, I played with them for about four or five years and met a lot of people from Nashville at that time. And uh, during that time, we were touring with some people and uh, one of the guys on the bus had been telling us about podcasts from Grace Center. And we were familiar with Bethel and uh, Bill Johnson's teachings and Jesus culture and all that. And so they said, it's kind of like that. They're in Nashville. So we got a hold of some of the uh, Emanate podcasts of you and AJ teaching. And we would just listen to them in the van on the way to shows and stuff. And Sarah used to listen to them a lot. Yeah, I would. I was working as a studio manager at a photography studio at the time. And I would edit photos for hours and listen to your guys' teachings. Which is so surreal. <laughs> I know. It's so strange, isn't it? I and never think about people listening to them in other places. Right. Anyway, yes. Yep. It was like <laughs> amazing because I think we were still relatively new to the things of the Holy Spirit, but we're very curious. And you were teaching practical ways to grow in the prophetic. Mm-hmm. And I was curious about what is speaking in tongues? What is the Holy Spirit baptism? And then you had a teaching on curious about speaking in tongues. And so it was just really what I was looking for at the time. It was amazing. It was really life-giving. So and you then, were you were where were you? You were working in a photography studio. Mm-hmm. I was a photographer. We did mostly wedding photography and studio family portraits. And is this in Valparaiso? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Valparaiso, Indiana. And but Josh was always on the road. Yeah, he was touring about two hundred days a year, just wow playing guitar. In <laughs> that would have interesting dynamics on a marriage <laughs> and driving a lot. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it was very interesting. But the one thing you'd have in common is you're listening to the same podcast. Mm-hmm. Well, he's the one who told me about it because we had wondered why we were living in Indiana and not Nashville or just somewhere else. Uh, we, we were kind of always intrigued about it, but never really considered moving here just because we thought, well, we'll just stay in Indiana for now. And then our jobs just kind of started changing. We were uh, just wanting things, wanting more, wanting to do more. And, uh, I knew that, uh, well, I knew that there was a good church in Nashville and I was like, well, if, if anything, we'll know we could go to Grace Center and have kind of the same church that we had in Valparaiso and we could just kind of figure things out. I knew that I wanted to keep playing guitar a lot more and, uh, all that, honestly, it was just kind of like, well, maybe we should check it out. It was just kind of a hunch, like. Yeah, we didn't really, we knew we didn't want to settle down in Indiana. I think our friends were on their second and third baby and buying homes, and we just felt that that wasn't a long-term place for us. And the only other place we had considered was Nashville, and it was mostly because the winters were pretty brutal up in Indiana, so we knew Nashville (laughs) would be warmer, (laughs) and we knew there was a good church. So So you didn't know visitation of an angel no word of the lord you were <laughs> no. just like no you know what we look you know it's like the weather here sucks and let's go yeah. check out nashville it yeah. was really just a hey that might be something and then that's what we did we thought well we could visit maybe if we you know we'll visit grace center we'll visit the town and we'll just see if what it feels like i mean it really wasn't anything significant it was just a hey that might be the next step don't you just love those <laughs> yeah this probably isn't significant but yeah, but oh, actually it's probably the changed. most significant. <laughs> yeah, so we came, we had two visits. We came down once in February and I 
I think we both were like, well, let's just pray for favor mm-hmm. and see if there's any open doors. I see if it just feels like a good fit for us. And we were excited to come to Emanate uh, to meet you guys or to at least hear you guys. Uh, Cause you were like celebrities to us. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're real celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> and Emanate was canceled because of like this sleet rainstorm. No. It, uh, <laughs> they said snowstorm. Now where we came from, it was like a dusting. Right. So we were very disappointed when it was canceled. Oh. And we were heading out of town. I remember it was Tuesday. So it says, yeah, Tuesday after Monday. And we stopped in Whole Foods and I heard this Scottish accent behind me at a table. And I was like, Josh, I think that sounds like Alan Jones. Yeah. And I had no idea what you looked like, but I had been listening to That's your podcast for, you know, the past year. And I was like, okay, this feels like favor or something significant. I didn't think it felt like favor. I said, <laughs> I'm going to the men's room. Don't do anything weird. <laughs> Because you were clearly in a meeting with someone already. You were you were meeting with someone, but I was just, just trying to be, you know, keep an appropriate distance. But then that meeting ended and I was like, oh, wow, I think I should go meet him. <laughs> if that is Alan Jones, I'm going to go over and just say hi. <laughs> that's so funny. Because that's so random, seemingly. So I walked over, introduced myself, said, we're thinking about moving here and great to meet you. And that was that. And that was actually... That was enough for me. I was like, oh, Lord, thank you for that. That seemed incredibly significant. I just wanted some kind of connection. And so that that was the favor I think I was looking for. And That's amazing that you saw that as favor. Well, it just seemed significant. I had prayed. You know, we, we were so excited for Emanate. And when it didn't happen, I just thought, oh, I really thought we would have met Alan and AJ. And then when you were there, I just thought, oh, well, that's what I was looking for. Great. I have a vague memory. Of you, you know, I I think I was sitting on the left of that kind of the round part in the Green Hills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I remember who I was meeting with, which is unusual. And they just left. And I think I remember that very brief interchange. Hey, you know, me and my husband are thinking of moving here. And I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds awesome. But, I, you know, I'd completely forgotten it until you told the story. But I, I remember that. I remember the second time we met. Do you want to talk about that? So the second time we met uh, was in April. Uh, we had, so by this point, we had decided, okay, we're definitely going to move to Nashville. And in April, I I got asked to come down and play guitar for something. And so we came down and we thought, well, we'll make a little trip out of it. We'll look at apartments or at least check out some different areas of town. Because we didn't, other than I'd been here a few times, the time in February was the first time Sarah had ever visited. So I was like, we don't even know what Nashville's like in terms of the city. So let's just drive down. I'll do this little showcase thing, and then we can look around. And we wanted to come to church again. So we we came to church, and I believe it was Communion Sunday, and we went down to the front to get our elements, and you guys were <laughs> sitting right there, and they said, uh, just gather with some people near you. We're going to kind of take this like family style, and you guys, you kind of waved us over like here you guys can join us because we probably looked like lost well we don't know anyone we have no family you know (laughs) i don't know why you waved us over i know why you know i'm minding my own business in church everybody's coming forward for communion and i just happen to see you guys walk past and i just think 
hmm, I don't know who they are, but they fit here. So for me, when whenever favor lights on somebody, I always go and inquire what that favor is. Mm. So like, for whatever reason, I mean, there's hundreds of people at Gray Center, and there's lots of visitors, but out of everybody, you guys stand out. You you didn't do anything. You just went forward and got communion, and yet the Holy Spirit had highlighted you guys, and I didn't know what that meant, but a bit like, you know, the burning bush, I just went over and said, I wonder what this thing is. And so that's why I went over to you guys and said, hey, come here mm. to, to see what it was. Isn't that funny? That's amazing. And that's, then we had lunch. You invited us for lunch. And that's right. That's right. We went we to Garcia's. Like, yes. We're eating lunch with Alan and AJ. We don't even live here yet. <laughs> so what happened was we connected over communion, something as simple as communion. Mm. And I thought, gosh, I want to I want to get to know them a little bit better. Again, just following that favor. Like we see favor on you. So we go over and see what it is. We're still not sure what it is. So we go the next time and say, can we have lunch together? Mm. And... Man, we need to talk about favor at some point. Continue. So we have lunch together. And have you moved there at this point? No, you guys were like, well, let us know when you move here, I guess. We just connected and we got to know each other more. We told you a little bit more about our story and that we were coming down in September. And that was that. We moved in September. And everything in our life seemingly felt like it was falling apart. Yeah. (laughs) After we came. Yeah. We got here (laughs) feeling so favored. Which we and were. We which, were at the church, but all of our job stuff, it just seemed to like... Well, talk about that. So you move, and presumably you have some expectations in your head of what it's going to be like. Yeah, we had met with our pastor in Indiana, and there was just like a big, yes, we believe in you, this feels right. And then after all of our visits to Nashville, and the favor, it just felt like, yeah, this is this is right. This is an, a good move for us. And while things were winding down in both of our jobs... At least in my mind, I thought, well, surely, Lord, you're just going to take us on to bigger and better things, and I'm going to get you know a better job uh, doing what I love to do, and Josh will get an e- even better gig in music. Because he's in Music City, after yeah, all. Yeah, of right. course, and we're moving to a really creative town, uh, and you're saying yes, you're saying yes to go, so surely it will all just be easy. um not so much it was not easy it was really hard actually those first six months when we came it was Mm -hmm. every door that uh was initially open josh had had a couple interests in him coming out uh with some guys on the road and those doors closed and i had some photography possibilities and those doors closed and we started to run out of money and we were like looking at each other like, what do we do? Well, yeah. you said yes. I remember all of the words and we had such peace about coming here. What are we doing here? And so we got, we ended up getting jobs at coffee shops and, and just doing what we had to do to pay our bills. And we're just feeling a little bit lost. Like I'm sure in the middle of it, you don't have a clue what's going on. Now, looking back, do you have any insight into what was going on? Oh, Yeah. Yeah. I've, there was a moment, I think, for me at least, where I was sitting on our couch in our living room just crying, like, Lord, why did we move here? What are we even doing? Do you even hear my prayers? And then I was like, are you even real? And then I was like, did I just ask that? Of all the times that I've had the Lord, you know, powerfully move in our lives and all, like, in my life and all of the testimonies, I can't believe that my faith is so shaken because of our present circumstances. And I... Now, looking back, I feel like it was really important for me to realize um, what my faith was built on and that it was pretty shaken by my circumstances and I needed to 
change some things, which was incredible. I didn't think I knew what I believed until it was challenged. Wow. So I think it was really important for us to go through that and to make sure that we knew, yes, that the Lord's got us, yes, that his promises are true, uh, even when it doesn't feel like it presently. What about you, Josh? Yeah, I just remember thinking, you know, it was kind of like the Israelites when they were led into the desert where they were kind of like, well, at least in Egypt we had food. And I remember hitting a moment where we were like, well, let's just move back and ask for our old jobs. And, you know, even though we weren't feeling fulfilled and necessarily like wanting to settle down in Indiana, at least we had food, at least we had, you know, favor in those jobs. And, oh, you know, I guess I could just do that. That'd be fine. Um, you know, I, I guess I could, I could decide to be happy in that. And, you know, I remember feeling kind of like the Lord was like, well, that's it. That's all you want. And, uh, I just didn't know, I didn't know what else to do. And I remember uh, we actually went back through Valparaiso uh, over Christmas. We were driving up to Michigan to visit family. And I remember going through town and thinking, this is it. We're going to reconnect with our friends and, and you know, the town. And, and I just remember feeling like this doesn't feel right. We're not meant to be back here. And for the first time, that was when Nashville felt like home, even though like, our apartment, we still had boxes stacked up like in the corners. Like, you know, it just, was I just the thought, bat apartment. Yeah. So we, uh, you know, we, we hadn't discovered that it was infested with bats yet, but oh, yeah, that came later. <laughs> so I just, but I remember thinking, even though like, yeah, our, the neighborhood we were in, it was pretty shady at the time. It's beautiful now, but at the time it was really shady. I was like, uh, this feels more like home than that did but I'm still very uncomfortable. And I'm not trying to put words in your mouth at all. I'm not trying to fit, make your story fit my narrative. Mm. But was there any sense that you guys were dying? Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, as in, you know, yeah. you're just expecting, like, so you're both super skilled, you know, mm-hmm. creatively. Like, Sarah, you're a phenomenal painter and photographer. Mm-hmm. Josh, you're an exceptional guitarist. And, of course, you're in this city that, really really values and endorses those things i wonder was there a sense that you were thinking okay this is this is the avenue that's going to fulfill us and just all those things just died oh yeah absolutely i think we both had expectations that it was like on to bigger and better things because we both left college and found favor immediately in both of our professions so we just felt like lord thank you of course you know onward and upward and it was not happening. It's so funny because what you're doing now, I'm, again, I'm just guessing here, so correct me if I'm wrong. What you're doing now, I would imagine, isn't what you would have want to have done. For no. example, <laughs> you know, you want to be a painter, you want to be a guitarist, and along comes Lauren and says, hey, why don't you guys be pastors? Like, yeah, that, right. that would just be like, no, no. So I remember thinking... So I had a I think I was confronted with the reality of maybe I'm not maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was. You know what I mean? Like I just thought, oh, we have all this favor, we have these opportunities, we're going to get there and it's going to be perfect. We're just going to walk right into these awesome jobs. And when they all fell through, 
you know, a lot of them fell through for just random different reasons that, that nothing we could even be mad about. It was just like, oh, that makes total sense. You guys canceled your tour because your singer's having a baby or whatever. Like, you know, you can't be mad about that. It was random things like that. But then when nothing else would come along, like every, you know, connection or thing that seemed promising, I remember getting an audition for a really now incredible country band and thinking, this is it here we go. You know, this was like two months in and never heard anything back. And I was just kind of shattered. I just thought, wow, I must, I must have, I must have had like American Idol syndrome where I thought, yes, I am the next (laughs) American Idol guitar player. And I was just completely wrong about myself. So the only thing we had going at the time was our coffee shop jobs. And there was plenty of church services to be at. So we would come every Sunday and Monday and take every free class that was available. And I remember even thinking, man, I'm probably not even good enough to play at church. Like, boy, I I went from I would love to tour stadiums to, man, I would just like to be able to play at church. If somebody thought I was good enough to play at church, that would be cool. That was it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys were getting promoted in your coffee shops. So where God had you, he was promoting you but it didn't feel like life at the time that's true yeah that that was true we did have a lot of favor there and we well we looked at where we had favor which was seemingly only the church and so that's mm-hmm. where we got involved <laughs> we just wanted to keep following favor and yeah that is we signed up for everything we could and it was the first time in our marriage that we were together that much so we really grew a lot together yes. learned a lot <laughs> i wish people could see your faces oh my yes. the life languages course changed our entire life took dave ramsey finance learned about our money i mean it was just a really challenging but good season for us in our marriage and then um the lord started putting on my heart like maybe we should do a school we've never been together this long you know we considered bethel or just some kind of ministry school uh and then you announced the School of Supernatural Life, and something just dropped in my spirit. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's why we're here. That's it. That's what I want to do. Uh, but we had no money. <laughs> and so. I still thought that would be really great for Sarah to do that. I'm going to get a great gig and pay for her to do that. Yeah. That would be great. It still and wasn't on my radar. So funny. But we prayed about that. And then uh, you guys asked us to dinner, I think, over at your oh. house. Yeah, And we didn't know why. We were still like, what? Why? And you asked us to help you be leaders in the first year of the school as you were launching it to attend for free and then to help lead and learn how to lead a small group. And I was just like, oh, Lord, wow. Like I was trying to come up with a way for just me to go and then maybe Josh could come later. And you've just completely opened the door for us both to go together and to learn together. And that was the beginning was indeed. I love listening to this story because when I listen to this story, I think of how it could have turned out had you guys made any other decisions, mm-hmm. which the Lord would have honored. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What advice or comfort or wisdom do you have for people who were who are in the season of life you just described, where you're gifted, you're talented, you have passion, and yet the only job you can get is serving people coffee working in an environment you don't want to. Like, how do you balance that between, you know, what you hope for, what you thought God was going to do, and yet you find yourself, you know, not excelling in those areas? Like, what 
counsel would you give people? I would say that <clears throat> that God's timing is always good, and that so in my experience, when I would pray or journal about God, these are the desires of my heart. Get me out of this coffee shop or <laughs> any other thing that I felt like was killing me slowly. Uh, I felt like he he kind of gave me a choice. He was like, okay, I know you want to do this. Would you do this? And it was like, I know you want to play guitar like for a living. That's all you really want to do. Hey, but for now, would you consider doing this school? Right. And every time I felt like the only thing I could do was just say, yeah, yeah, I guess I would do that. You know, and it was just kind of like these little choices. I know you really want to do that. Would you do this? Would you consider doing this? And it wasn't in the opposite of what I wanted to do. It was just kind of like a, hey, that's really great that you love that. Look over here for a sec. Would you do this? And I felt like every time that I kind of felt frustrated or wanted to quit or whatever, he would just present me with another little, hey, would you would you try this? And how how ironic, in a one sense, that what he's asking you to do doesn't get you any closer to what you want to do. Yeah. Right? So, so like, you know, hey, I know you really want to play guitar. I know you really want to be a photographer, but would you just uh, manage this coffee shop? Would you just do really, really well at honoring your boss while pouring coffee for really grumpy businessmen? <laughs> right? Or, hey, would you know, go to the school or whatever? And you're like, I will go do that, Lord, because you've asked me to. It's a bit like Peter, you know, well... <laughs> Okay, carpenter boy, uh, we have been fishing all night, but because you say, yeah, we'll throw, and so you doing all those things, even saying yes, doesn't make it look like you're getting any closer to your goal. But suddenly God goes, Ta-da, why don't you guys run the whole worship and creative arts of this church <laughs> that's known around the nation for worship and creative arts? Or, or, or even before that, really, like coming on staff as the pastors at the school, like you'd learn how to manage people already. Mm. You know, and yeah. grumpy people who wanted their coffee and wanted their what? You know what I mean? Like that, it was all training. It's just you had no idea you were actually in training. Yeah, I I would absolutely agree with that. It, it, nothing is wasted. Everything exactly where you are right now uh, is used and useful. It's either building character or experience uh, for what's to come. So I think my greatest the thing I would tell people is to not not quit. To keep moving forward, yeah, I think. Because the Lord is so faithful. Like, He's going to work it all out if you keep saying yes. Because there was so many moments where you could have been like, we're done with this. This is too hard. But it's always better with the Lord. So I can't imagine not continually saying yes. I think with that, too, I was, you know, looking back, I'm really thankful that He didn't give me some of the things that I really wanted. Because I've talked to people that, that, you know, travel full time and they're gone, you know, seven months in a row before they, they, I talked to a friend who it's like, I've been on the road for the last eight months and I've slept in my own bed with my wife six times. And the amount of time that we've been able to spend together over the last four and a half, five years, it's more than we've ever been able to spend together. And I wouldn't trade that for, you know, the best guitar playing job in the world. Oh, <laughs> Oh, let's hold hands. You can't see this right now, but we are embracing. I think too, Josh, when I reflect on you guys and just how the Lord has set you guys up, you know, in the last couple of years, like I keep thinking about how 
you even had, it wasn't just that you wanted to be a musician. You absolutely did not want to be a pastor. Yeah, not at you all. absolutely <laughs> didn't want to be a small group leader. You know what I mean? And it was like, it was the kindness of God that he just sort of wooed you into. Mm-hmm. No, look, see? See, I built you for this. You know what I mean? Oh, no, look, look, it's not as bad as you think it is. You know, that kind of stuff. So I just... I love I love that about your story too. I love that you guys were obedient and followed, but I love God's heart towards you. Yeah. In that he kind of wooed you into finding out what he actually made you for. Mm-hmm. It's funny because my yes to him wasn't even a strong yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've talked about this before where uh I think it was the the second year of the school and you've asked us to come back and kind of help lead the other small group leaders. And literally, you know, I I was journaling about it. God, should I do this? And I felt like the Lord was saying, would you do this? And all I wanted to do was to not do it anymore and just go play guitar some more. And But I wasn't at a point yet where I could do that full time. So I was still like working at a coffee shop. And I remember like holding up my hands like, do the school keep working at a coffee shop? I guess I'd rather keep doing the school. Okay, yeah, I'll do it. And it was like literally that much of a yes. Like, mm-hmm. I guess I'd rather do that. This is a worthy investment of my time, at least serving their vision. I I think that's just so funny that God will use our feeble yeses. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if the reason you didn't get to go play more guitar is that thing hadn't died yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, so he's it's a bit like that whole Joseph thing of, you know, when he interprets the dreams of the cupbearer and the baker, like, hey, remember me? You know, I'm still here. You know, he's still looking to rely on his gift, you mm-hmm. know, and other people to promote him rather than letting God do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And totally. so, you know, it's not that you want to play guitars bad at all. And, yeah. you know, the Lord, you know, this is what you do. But, you know, the Lord had to, ki- he's so good at killing off stuff that would, would rob the future that he has for us. So it's that whole thing of good is often the worst enemy of best. Mm-hmm. And yet we often don't agree with God's best. Mm-hmm. Like, how is this best? <laughs> or we don't even know what right. his best is. But God was so faithful. Like, he was so gentle with us. Because you guys asked us to come back, and we were both like, I guess so. And you had said, we want you to try on being a pastor. Because at yeah. first you didn't know what you needed in the right. school. And then that second year was like, wait, are we pastors now? Lord, the only favor we've gotten in the church is in pastoring and prophetic words now are coming in about pastoring. Oh my gosh. I want to pay attention to what you're saying, but now I'm really confused because my heart is still burning for things that are creative and you know, Josh is still really wanting to play guitar. And then uh, in his kindness, he sent another prophetic word. Uh, from James Gall, actually. Oh, yeah. And we were, it was so funny because it was nearing the end of that second year. And we were just like, wow, okay, Lord, we want to be obedient. But this this is feeling hard. This is so not what we had planned. Are we even pastors? <laughs> and James Gall came to emanate and had delivered, you know, a couple of prophetic words. And then at the end, it was like, actually, I had one more word. It was a dream. Last night, Charlie Brown came to me in a dream and said, find the Parsons. The Parsons are pastors. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty clear. And I just like, <laughs> fell to the floor weeping because I knew, I knew obviously, <laughs> that word was for us. 
Oh, I was hoping my brother was there and it was for him. <laughs> You're so funny. But what was the significance of the Charlie Brown thing? Because I remember that was significant for you. We just, my whole family, we just always loved Charlie Brown. We would watch, we'd start watching Charlie Brown Christmas in like October and put it, you know, the vinyl on the stereo and stuff. And we've just always, we had like all the movies, like It's Christmas, Charlie Brown. You know, it's Christmas again, Charlie Brown. Happy New Year, Charlie Brown. It's the Super Bowl, Charlie Brown. And we would read the <laughs> comics and I had all these little, you know, Woodstock and Snoopy Pez dispensers and stuff. Like, it was just this so thing funny. that we loved. And so for James Gall to say, Charlie Brown appeared to me in a dream and said, find the Parsons. And, he, and it's a play on words because the word Parson means pastors. The Parsons are pastors. And I just like, I, I would say that was the beginning of the real dying process because I that was the first time I knew really the Lord was clearly saying. I think we both were, I mean, we were both seeking the Lord, but we were still feeling really confused. Like if you've put these dreams and desires in us, but you're only opening doors here, are we missing it? And I actually prayed, like I journaled, Lord, please take this other desire away so that I can align myself with what you're calling us to do. I'm just so confused. And so after that word, it was such a loud, public, prophetic word that I was like, okay, well, we've got no other choice than to just say yes to God. And like, we're all in, we're going to, you know, we say yes to pastoring. But here's the thing. You say we have no other choice. You could have walked away. That's true. You could have said, no, that was for my brother. We almost did walk away that summer because we were still like, that summer, why I say it was like the most dying moment was because after that year of the school, I think James gave us the word in March or February, and we finished out that school year, and it was during that summer that we had more than four visits from bats in our apartment. We got salmonella poisoning. I threw my back out, and then I hit my face on a rock and busted my tooth. That's true. And I remember that was a brutal rock bottom. I literally hit rock bottom <laughs> in a river, and our car broke down, and we were like, God, if you want us to be pastors, that's great, but we need a car that runs. We need, you know, we need, we need health. <laughs> can, can we talk about the saddest conversation that we've ever had? Yes. Because I want to talk a little bit about the role of leaders. Yeah. But before we do that, I think it's so important that that you know just in you guys telling your story, one of the pa- one of the things I want to tease out of it is favor isn't enough. Mm. Favor will show you the direction, but favor without obedience, faithfulness. And oh, yeah. faithfulness and hard work is diddly squat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you know, I think a lot of people get disillusioned because there's favor, but then there's hard work. Everyone loves favor. Not everybody loves the hard work. Absolutely. And you guys worked hard everywhere. And we, that was one of the things we would just look at you. You were hard workers everywhere. You know, you're hard workers in the restaurant, in the coffee shops. You know, when you were with us, you were hard workers. And, you know, that's, that's an incredible thing that I think people want to overlook. Mm. Let me talk about the role of leaders in your life, and you guys can comment on this. So... I remember AJ and I would meet with you, you know, as your leaders at that point in the school. And we'd, you know, we'd just meet and just talk about how are you doing. And I remember one time we were at Frothy Monkey in downtown Franklin. And we were out on the patio and you were just going through the season that you were just describing. You had bats, an infestation in your... I mean, it was just this <laughs> comical list of Ridiculous. desperate situations. Oh, oh my gosh. So sad. And yet what you didn't know was your leaders 
me and AJ and Jeff and Tony and McLaurin had been speaking that very week about recognizing the call of God that was on your life. Like, just recognizing, like, guys, like, you know, he who's faithful in the small, you know, will be given much. And we just watched you serve us so faithfully, and we were about to officially make you pastors. We're about to put you on staff. We're about to give you like a salary you could live from because prior to this, we were just giving you like a stipend. Yeah. And so you were, you know, you were being barely surviving. Barely yeah. surviving. <laughs> like you were having to work yeah. really, really hard, other mm-hmm. jobs to come and work with us. Yeah. And, you know, we were like, okay, I, th- I think, you know, the school's doing well enough that we could afford full time pastor salaries, but we didn't know and we were still praying about it. And so, you, you know, we're listening to you just go, you know, everything you just said, like, is this even going to work? You know, maybe it's at the point where we now need to just think about our family and, you know, need to make a living and we can't say anything and you don't know that your <laughs> pastors behind closed doors are planning your promotion, literally. Wow. And I remember we went looking at houses together, you <laughs> yeah, know? Apartment. Apartment. Oh, yeah. And you were just in despair because you're like, how could we ever afford this? And we're like, we know what your salary is about to be. You will be able to, but we couldn't say anything. And so hard. And in the, the 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 gap between what God's planning and where you are, how did you ma- how did you survive that? Well, we we asked you, we asked for your wisdom. We got prophetic words that we held on to. And I think we just we believed them, so we kept moving forward. We were close to quitting. Oh yeah. Once once I uh once I knocked my tooth out. That was really, I don't know why, but it was like, if you could say hitting rock bottom, it was literally like, that's it. Now I don't have a tooth. <laughs> and for some reason, that was the last straw. Like, and you don't have the money to fix it. Exactly. Right. There was, you know, there's bats in our apartment. We had bats, mice, roaches, all kinds of crazy stuff. And then our car started having issues. And we were like, we were having real conversations like, so at what point do you kind of cut your losses and... You know, we were talking about like moving back to Michigan and living in my parents' basement and becoming substitute teachers or something just until we could figure out what to do next. And and, and to be fair, you're trying to be, you, you know, you really weren't running away from anything. You were just trying to be practical right. with the cards that life had dealt you. Like, hey, you know, we need to be responsible. We've done Dave Ramsey. Like, yeah. you know, this isn't how, and we're just like, oh, and what was interesting <laughs> for us is we can't manipulate you. Right. We can't tell you and we can't. All we can do is pray and, you know, our heart's going out to you going, I, I know that probably within three weeks we can make you an offer, but right now I can't say a thing. Right. I remember you guys being, you were encouraging, you were like, mm-hmm. you were so gracious. And so just hang in there, you know, it's unto something, all of these prophetic words. like, And I think, I think we did, we held on to that as long as we could. And I think the Lord knew that too. And then the seasons changed. And they changed significantly. You had a suddenly. We did. We suddenly. It was, I, well, I remember it. You gave a prophetic word. Uh, you were emceeing and it was August. And it just turned to August and you said, eight is new beginnings. And this is the eighth month. So this is a season of new beginnings. And I was like, yes, it is. I, that was for I'm, the whole group. It wasn't just for us. Yeah. I am taking that, you know, as a personal word though, God, let this be a new beginning. And then, it was that week. It was all within the span of that week. You guys met with us. We were offered uh, to be the school pastors to come on Grace Center staff. And then we went house shopping, Yeah, which we is were... another story. I don't know how many details you want, but it was just all of a sudden 
the apartment that we thought we wanted didn't happen. And Josh, who had been researching and dreaming, you know, for months about things he was hoping for, but never seemed possible, all of a sudden felt possible. And we ended up looking at a house. Our offer was picked over the other offers. It all happened within like one two, day. Yeah. We made an offer on a house and that day it got accepted. And you got given a car. And um, we got given a car. We Yeah, because our car was still broken. So someone had called the church and uh, was saying, hey, I've got three more weeks paid insurance on this car. We had purchased a new one. Do you know anyone who needs to use a car? And Tony was like, oh, there's a couple moving. Yeah, I'm sure they could use it. So we borrowed the car. And then the next Sunday, uh, he came with the other set of keys and said, we just feel like the Lord told us to give this to you. So it was like new job, new house, new car, all within the span of a week. It was amazing. Amazing. Everything but, but changed in a week. Everything yeah. did change in a week. And But less people, because the danger is, and we've taught, you know, the four of us have talked about this a lot. There's a danger that people listen to this and think, yeah, well, that's you or mm. they, they just, yeah. but what they don't see is behind the scenes, you were making declarations. Like, yeah. One of the things I just want to honor you for, Sarah, is you are the declaration queen. <laughs> so you, you know, you didn't just listen to a prophetic word and go, yeah, well, you know, let's see if new beginnings happen. You were like, Yes. Before it happened, yeah. I declare that there will be new beginnings. Yeah. And I declare that we're going to have this house. And I declare that we're going to have this car. And I've just seen time and time again, you guys declare things and they come to pass. It's it's amazing. It's kind of crazy because we had coffee one time and because we just kind of, we knew that declaring things was a value. We valued that. So we would we would get coffee. We'd save up some money and get coffee. And I had this. Uh, <laughs> There's a statement list. right there. <laughs> yeah, we'd save up money yeah. and get coffee. Well, I mean, in Nashville, <laughs> right? I got gotcha. you. It's really good coffee. Okay. There's no Tim Hortons here. So we had we had this wish list on my phone, and it was like extravagant wishes. And you know, when it was at, we were sharing a computer at the time, <laughs> which is difficult sharing a computer sharing a car and sarah's like well i want my own computer put that on the wish list you know what i want an ipad mini too. put that on the wish list and i want a three-bedroom two-bath house and i want a new car and so we just wrote all these things I mean, down this was like pie in the sky dreaming oh yeah at the time. everything just felt wow maybe someday lord and uh well we were looking at it what like a year ago i was just flipping through notes on my phone and i found this wish list and i'm like babe, you have your own computer and you got an iPad mini and we live in a three-bedroom, two-bath house and somebody gave us a car. Like, oh my gosh. And we made another one with other cars with like specific models because not so we do this all the time now. And we literally outside are those two exact specific models of cars that we just randomly got crazy deals and can I speak into that for a second? Absolutely. Because I can already hear some of the thoughts of the mm-hmm. listeners. Like thinking, that's voodoo, that's witchcraft, mm-hmm. yeah. that's just, you know... Name it and claim it. Name it and claim it, sure. you know, blab it and grab it. <laughs> and the thing is, that those principles are working whether you're making declarations or not. Exactly. If you're not making declarations, you really are. But you're just thinking in your head, I'm never going to get a new car. And you never get a new car. You're thinking, you know, probably the best I can ever afford is X and the best you'll ever afford is X. So you're yeah. actually partnering with those principles whether you know it or not. Mm-hmm. So you may as well take 
authority over what your mind is thinking <laughs> and yeah. actually speak things that are in accordance with God's will. Mm-hmm. We need to do a proper teaching on that. And, yeah. and I love, actually, I love how in staff meetings often somebody will say something funny, whether it's like just joking around like, oh, I'm so stupid, and, sh- and Sarah will pipe up with, your words are a verbal contract, you know. <laughs> no, you're not. You're amazing. <laughs> no, you're your not. Words are powerful. You're amazing. <laughs> well, I mean, if we believe the Bible, right. it says... Yeah, I love it though. It's made me think. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it always reminded me. So I read this Bible study years ago about, uh, was it the widow that went to the king demanding justice? And she would go every day, every day. And eventually he was just like, fine, I'll give you what you want just so you'll stop pestering me. And it says, how much more does the Lord love to answer the requests of his children? And basically the, the premise of the Bible study was if you have, you know, if you have something that you are dreaming of that you want from the Lord, he wants to know what that is. And so to tell him, and he talked about like, if a child goes to their parents and says, I really want this red bicycle for Christmas. Dad, I want this red bicycle for Christmas. Dad, I want, I really want this red bicycle for Christmas. Like when Christmas rolls around, they know exactly what to get him because he's been telling what, what he wants. So I don't know. So I just thought, well, you know, if God's a good dad, then let's try that. So I'm like, Lord, I want this car with, and I have it. It's weird. I don't, it sounds weird, but it's, it happens. It is amazing. God is is good. Absolutely amazing. All right. Let's bring this to a close because we're only like a quarter of the way through your story. Yeah. Oh, right. Well, right. So you do the school. That's amazing. And we have the opportunity where we need somebody to help look after our, worship team and so guess you know josh you play on a worship team probably more than anybody else on a consistent basis at that time so mm-hmm. we were like hey and you're already pastors and we saw the fruit that blossomed you know we put you it's a bit like joseph we put you in charge of the school and things just blossomed and flourished and so we we're like great you know whatever you're touching is flourishing would you just steward the worship team while we are interviewing for worship pastors mm-hmm. and what did you guys think well i thought wow I'm really honored, and it kind of caught me off guard at first. I honestly, at the beginning, thought, seriously, me? There's got to be somebody else who's way more qualified. (laughs) Kind of what I thought every other thing that you've asked us, would you guys be interested in doing this? (laughs) There's got to be someone way more qualified. And uh, when you and Jeff kind of explain, like, well, you're already a pastor, and you're here all the time, and you play all the time, and people know you, it kind of makes sense. I thought, great, yeah, absolutely, I would love to help out until you know, you guys find the right person for this job. And it it was probably months that I would still think, man, I wonder who's going to be the new worship pastor. And it just never, it didn't dawn on me. I don't know. What do you think, Sarah? Oh, well, I think we were both a little like, okay, we, I mean, we're just helping out. We're wanting to serve however we can uh, as there was some transition uh, going on, and we were really involved in the worship team. Josh was always playing, and I had painted a couple times, and many of our friends and community were already on the worship team. Uh, so it it was fine. It was more just like, a, okay, we'll hold down the floor. We'll do what we can, but we also have this full-time job in the school. Right, but you'd never really wanted to be worship pastors. Oh, no. Well, no. I don't think we'd ever considered that. Right. I remember, well, in my head, too, because neither of us are singers, I thought, oh, that wouldn't make sense. Right, because I, yeah, I just kind of decided. I remember talking to you or Pastor Jeff, and I just thought, 
I just kind of had this fleeting thought like, I wonder what it would be like if we had like a pastor who was kind of, you know, helping out all the worship leaders. So it wasn't like the pa- the pastor was also the main worship leader. So they kind of had to do everything. I just remember thinking, oh, that could be cool. You know, I wonder who would be good for that job. And I remember the Lord kind of going, you might like, just like that. And I immediately was like, no, 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 I couldn't do that. You know, I don't know. Not, not like, not like completely denying it or saying no, but just like, no, I don't think that. And I thought I was being prideful. Like, who are you to think you could be the worship pastor at Grace Center? Like, there are amazing people who have been the worship pastors at Grace Center. For sure. And that honestly, that was, that was one of the things that I was really intimidated by. I was like, you know, you have people like Luke Finch and Chris McClarney and right. who are like amazing people. Arguably, you know, some, yeah, some of the most amazing people I've ever met. And I just thought, oh, you know, <laughs> I'm not worthy to string their guitars kind of thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I just thought, this is so far out yeah. there. But what happened? Because obviously you now do that. And obviously we came and offered you that job. But like, how did your heart begin to percolate thinking this might be something you want to do? Because the difference when, you know, Jeff came and asked you guys, would you like to be the worship pastors? It was, it, we didn't get the sense that it was you were just being obedient like you had in the previous. Mm. It definitely felt like this fit. Your passions came online. Blah, 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 blah. At what point did that happen? It was like six months or something. And during that time, the Lord had really been speaking to me about believing what he says about me. And because when I would journal, I would, you know, when you journal and you ask the Lord, Lord, how do you feel about me? And he says these wonderful things and you write them down. But to, I don't know, to talk about those just feels weird. So there were things that I had, I felt like I had heard the Lord said and I had written down. But then going from that to like being asked, would you be willing to do this job? the amount of work that it took the Lord to do on my heart between that time was crazy. And, but I, I feel like, I mean, I'm still kind of wrestling with it a little bit. Like, am I really doing this? Am I really cut out for this? And I'm still having to choose to say, God, I believe you. I believe, I believe what you say about me and that I can do this. I think during that time, we, we both, we had one moment. I don't know if you remember this, Josh, but we both were standing in the kitchen and I think it was just after you had had that thought, like, I wonder if there would be ever like a pastor that oversaw all of the worship people. And I was like, driving home from church, I was wondering if there would ever be a pastor that would like oversee all of the creatives and the musicians. I like, do remember that. And we had this moment where we talked about it and then we're like, okay, well, it's nothing that we could make happen. So we just let it go. And we decided we just didn't talk about it. We, I think, both didn't feel peace about bringing it up, Mm-mm. and we trusted the Lord would talk to our leaders in the right time. So we actually, you know, we didn't know what you guys were thinking, and I knew that many people were sending in applications, and uh, yeah, so we were <laughs> just trying to be people. faithful <laughs> uh, with all of that. And then Jeff in November straight up asked like what do you what do you guys love what do you really really want that's right and we both were like um well we're both worshipers 
we love creativity and arts and music and that's what we would do you know even if we weren't paid that's what we do in our spare time that's what we do already um so i don't know what that means but that's our heart and then that started the process of um i guess basically jeff creating this new role and position for us which is so like i get emotional thinking back on it because uh, we could have never done this on our own, no. you know, and we couldn't have even known that this would have been what we wanted. But now because of this series of many yeses over and over and over, we're now in this role that feels like too good to be true and better than we could have ever imagined and perfectly fit for us. And we're just at the beginning of it. So, And what's crazy is I think the dying process made room for these new dreams. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it had to die. The land had to be kind of scorched, <laughs> yeah. and then yeah. new plant seeds could be planted exactly. for this thing to blossom. I think too, like one of the things about your story, which is just a really good example, is you guys didn't crowbar your way into anything. Mm-hmm. You just said yes, and then you waited until God opened the door. Yeah, and you know, I think that that's a huge thing that people need to learn you know, as you're processing moving forward with the Lord that you don't make your own way forward, mm-hmm. but you pray and you agree and then you you watch and you wait, mm-hmm. you know, and in that process, you're going to learn patience and all the other stuff that you're going to need for where he's taking you. Yeah. But I think you guys have done so well at that. Thank Thanks. you. Yeah. I was just laughing that... In all the jobs you've had at Grace Center, you've never applied for any of them. Yeah. I know. Remember when I was like... When you're t- thinking about making us the small group, leaders. small group leader leaders, and you didn't even know that I had managerial experience or really had any idea, I was like, "Oh well, I can help maybe with some organization." And but that's so that funny. just tells you too, like God. <laughs> I mean, God was talking to us about you guys, and we had no idea about that stuff. But just like the Lord was highlighting you guys again, saying, "Hey, wait, 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 look over here," like you know, so. He's so able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that, so my brain works very, it's very linear, like a straight line. So I remember, (laughs) so when James Gall gave us that word, that was actually, that was obviously like a life changing moment. And I remember thinking, I remember journaling with the Lord and him just kind of asking me, what do you think? And I remember thinking, well, I feel like it's obvious that you want us to be pastors. And he was like, yeah. And he said, what kind of pastor do you want to be? And I just thought, well, I'd like to do, I like playing guitar still. (laughs) That hasn't gone away. I'd love to do stuff with musicians and artists and things like that. And that was probably, that was probably when James gave us the word. So a couple years ago, but I still never, I never thought it was, for anything you know what i mean like i just thought oh that was a nice question you know but i never in my wildest dreams did i ever think that we would be the worship and arts pastors at grace center because but here's the crazy thing and with this i want to bring this to a close is once we'd made you that offer you start looking at all your old prophetic words from like five six seven years ago and they all pointed to this yeah crazy (laughs) But you would never have interpreted them in those light. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You know, it's just, it's back to that prophetic words are easier understood in hindsight than mm-hmm. they are in foresight. 
Yeah. You know, Jeff was speaking this morning and had some great lines, but one of the things he was talking about that verse in Psalms where it talked about how the word tested Joseph, mm. you know, t- and until, you know, a certain time. And Jeff said this, he said, you want the, you know, whenever you get a prophetic word, what we want is we want the word to fit us. But what God wants is for us to fit the word. Yeah. And I thought, that, oh my gosh, if that's not <sighs> the whole so summation good. of walking in the prophetic, I don't know what is. Right. And so that whole five years that you've been here has been death for resurrection's purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. It's so good. Where can people find out more about you guys? You guys are on Instagram, Twitter, you have websites. Talk about that. If people want to find you, follow you, see what you look like. <laughs> uh, well, we both have Twitter. Yeah. My Instagram, this is Josh speaking, not Sarah. Uh, my Instagram is at underscore Josh Parsons. And my Twitter is the same thing. Uh, my MySpace is uh, also the same in my... You used to have a MySpace? Do you have no, a live journal? <laughs> Didn't you used to have a live journal for your feelings? No, I never did. Gosh. <laughs> for your feelings. Mom. I saved all of those. And Sarah, where are you? What are you on Instagram and Twitter? Um, I am I, Sarah Parsons, on Instagram and Twitter. And... We can be found on the Grace Center website. But you also and, have yeah, your you website. Oh, oh, I beautiful do. Paintings. I do. Uh, that you actually helped me build. Thank oh, you very much. Oh, it's a beautiful much. website. Uh, yes. You can see all of my artwork at parsonstudio.com. Yes. Net? Com or net? net? I think it's net. Oh, no. I'll put a link in the show notes. <laughs> you think I should know that? People can go have a, can go have a look at that. Her artwork is stunning. If you haven't seen Thank it, you. it's remarkable. We have one in our front lobby as you come in our house. It's one of our prized possessions. All right, let's wrap this up. We are coming to the end of our window for you to apply for the School of Supernatural Life. If you go to schoolofsupernaturallife.org, you can find out information about the Grace in Our School. It is an incredible eight-month opportunity. You heard Josh and Sarah talk about uh, doing that. They've done the school. They staffed the school. What Last question for you guys. What would you say people coming to the school would get in a sentence uh i think the number one thing that people can expect to get from the school is eight months to completely devote their time and resources to the lord and growing closer to him and uh him just blowing their expectations out of the water of what he is capable of speaking to them about i would say acceleration i've seen just huge things that would take maybe others five years to achieve when you set aside eight months to go deeper with the Lord in all areas, spiritually and practically. There's just been tremendous acceleration on the students and on our alumni. All right, well, we're done. If you would like the show notes for this episode, go to alanandaj.com slash 55 for the 55th episode. If you would like to ask us a question that we can answer on air, head over to alanandaj.com slash ask and we'll do our best to answer your questions. Our great thanks to the wonderful Josh and Sarah Parsons. Thank you for giving up your evening to come and share your story. We love you guys. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in once again. We will see you next week. See you next week. Bye-bye.